Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's been a long weekend. It's been an extra day since we've chatted. I think this is the fifth week of the Locked On NFL podcast. I am Matt Williamson. It's great for you and I to get together again. I hope your holiday weekend was spectacular. And as we know, a lot happened. We knew there was a lot that was going to happen between the last time we talked and now. Roster cuts were due in on Saturday at 4 o'clock, and there's still some moves being made along those lines before opening day. If you don't know, the season starts Thursday. That's pretty freaking awesome. But the big news is clearly what's going on in Minnesota. And we've talked about the Bridgewater injury. And since then, you know, it looked like Sean Hill was pigeonholed in to be the starter. They gave up a first-round pick in 2018, I think. And maybe it's next year. I'm sorry, I'll double-check on that one. But anyways, they gave a first-round pick. Sounds like a lot, and it is. And a conditional pick, which could be a third or fourth for Sam Bradford. So, let's look at it first from the Vikings. First of all, like we talked about last week, Bridgewater's been very much a caretaker. To me, the tragedy of his injury was what could have been. Take that step forward in this year. Was very good in the preseason. Almost looked like a different guy. Again, it was a preseason. Taking more shots, being more aggressive, making more throws that we hadn't seen. So that's encouraging. You know, that that's well, that's the bummer. You know, that was encouraging of boy, Teddy's getting better. Maybe we're willing to take this offense to the next level, be more aggressive, not hide him so much. Plus, we've improved the offensive line and receivers. Hopefully, he's not under pressure as much and gets more help. We don't we don't have to rely on Peterson as much. And really, our roster, quarterback aside, is really about as strong as any in the league. So, Teddy's gone. The hope of whatever he could have been is gone, too. So... Hill's not going to cut it. I mean, I, I don't think that shocks anyone. He's 36 years old. He's a backup. He was a backup at his best. He has He's thrown like 200 and some passes over the last four years combined. You know, you can't go into the season saying, okay, we'll just be fine. We're just going to scrap the year. So they had to go get someone. I thought McCown would have been the logical player. But they went out and got Bradford. And what this tells me immediately is, hey, we're in it to win it. You know, I mean, Bradford is a massive step up over Hill. Say whatever you want about Bradford. We'll talk about him in a minute. But that isn't even debatable. And again, the rest of the roster is very, very strong. So they gave up a lot. And again, we'll talk about that too. But this also worries me in that, because Bradford, I mean, if you remember, the Eagles signed Bradford this offseason. So he signed to a long-term deal. And it makes me wonder if they think Teddy can ever come back. You know, it was supposedly such a gruesome injury. They stopped practice for it. I mean, I read something along the lines of that the, the Vikings training staff basically saved Bridgewater's leg and ability to ever play again. So I think it's not a sure thing at all that he's definitely going to be back or close to being the same physical player, he, you know, physical specimen he was if he does return. So not only is this a move for today, 
but this could be a long-term situation as well. So the Vikings, are like, the Vikings, what they want to do, what Norv Turner has traditionally wanted to do, is he wants Troy Aikman, he wants Philip Rivers, he wants a pocket passer that's going to drive the ball down the field with a power running game. Emmett Smith, Ladanian Tomlinson. Well, I mean, it's nice to have. Troy Aikman, Philip Rivers, LaDainian Tomlinson, and Emmett Smith, and Adrian Peterson. You know, all those guys might be Hall of Famers, you know. So, that helps. Um, so, they he, in accordance, has adjusted his offense quite a bit for Bridgewater. But the obvious, there's certainly a correlation of, are Bridgewater and Turner a good match from day one or period? And I think the answer is no. But both players are adapting and they are, you know, sort of making it work or whatever. But in the end, I don't think that's the style of quarterback that they're looking for. You know, I think they want under center with Peterson as a fullback, dropping back five, seven-step drops, throwing the ball downfield with this big, strong-arm guy, playing in the NFC North when he traveled to Chicago in December or Green Bay. You know, I I think a weak-arm player in that area of the country isn't ideal. And I think Bradford has some of those qualities. I mean, he was the first overall pick for a reason, and... Boy, he can throw it. I mean, he can still do that. There's no question about it. Now, what is Sam Bradford? Sam Bradford is one of the most polarizing players in the entire league. No one has done less, maybe, in the history of the league and made more money. Good for him. I'm not bashing him for it. A lot of it's because of the way the CBA was arranged back then. He walked into the Rams as a first overall pick, made a fortune. He's gotten big contract after big contract. Um... And hasn't lived up to it, obviously. That doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I mean, what, what kind of player is he? What does he bring to the Vikings? If I if we had a, a, a jury trial here, and I could be either attorney for or against Sam Bradford, I could make a very, very strong case that, one, he isn't very good. Or, two, he's better than you think. The biggest thing backing my argument, though, and this really goes to show that he's better than you think, is I think historically every step of his career, every move that's been made, what's been given up in compensation, and especially this last move, I think the NFL, which, believe it or not, knows more than me, knows more than you, values Sam Bradford more than fans do. You know, the guy that has him on their fantasy team, or the Eagles fan, or the Rams fan that was let down by him. The, the NFL people who know the most about football of any human beings in the world value Sam Bradford a lot. There's a lot to be said for that. He can really throw it. He doesn't hurt you. You know, there's, that in itself is valuable. If you're in his corner, you would say he was on a Rams team. He's gone through several coaches, several systems, massive injuries. Overall, he really has had very little around him particularly with the Rams, but with the Eagles, too. I mean, again, if I'm, I'm selling a story of how Sam Bradford's a good player, think of his situation last year. He goes to a Chip Kelly offense that is totally new to him that is very different than what he was doing. He was injured when he arrived. I don't think he played any in the preseason. If he played at all, it was very, very limited. With a whole new cast of players. And did it go great for the Eagles last year? No. But look at the receivers the Eagles had. Their line didn't play well. They had no running game. And if you look at the last eight games or so of the season, Bradford was at least an average starting quarterback, maybe better. 
He got better and better and better. Nobody was watching because the Eagles were basically irrelevant at that point. And everyone just wanted to laugh at Chip Kelly and how could you sign DeMarco Murray and how could you be such an idiot of a GM. But Bradford played really well. And if you consider the circumstances he walked into, that's not easy, man. You know, I mean, he had adapted quickly in a really bad situation. He's already taking first team reps with Sean Hill this week. Um, they have not determined as of noon here on Tuesday who's going to be the starter. They, they don't yet know that. Um, I don't know. I, I don't have any insight on that. This depends how quick he gets it. It's not going to take long from the pass hill. We know that. So I get it from the Vikings' perspective. You know that they like him more than you do, I bet. They Their first-round pick, they're looking at like, it's probably going to be late. We think we're a contender. You know, personally, I look at the Vikings before the Bridgewater injury and thought, in no particular order, Carolina, Green Bay, Seattle, and Arizona were clearly better than the Vikings, but then the Vikings were clearly better than everyone else in the NFC. Now, with Bradford, I feel the same, which that makes them a playoff team. And then who knows? You know, maybe they're better than that. Maybe their defense is top five like I think. Maybe Peterson runs for 180 or 1,800 yards. Not unbelievable, but they did give up a lot. The Eagles, the Eagles should be doing cartwheels. I mean, this is how I think the Eagles quarterback situation went. And nobody told me these things. Don't get me wrong. Bradford played well last year. You know, we just talked about that. Exceeded expectations in tough situation. So I think the new staff and the front office that was already in place said, this is probably the best we're going to do. Let's lock up Sam. And then the new coach comes over from Kansas City and says, you know what, Chase Daniels knows Chase Daniel knows my system. At worst, he's going to be a really high-end backup. If Bradford sputters, he'll be a, a reasonable starter. He certainly can help me coach the rest of this offense of how we're going to change things in a Chiefs-like manner. Let's pay him, you know. So, okay, that's a lot of money tied up into two quarterbacks. Neither one is a stud. But there's some logic there. You know, you could also get on them for that, too. Don't get me wrong. Then they make the trade with Miami, and they scoot up a couple picks in the first round. And they dump Alonzo, and they dump, uh, what's-his-face, the corner that was overpaid. And then there's, you know, the, the scouting process goes along and goes along. And my hunch is they just kept falling in love with Wentz and falling in love with Wentz and realized we might be able to get this player. We might be able to, it's our first year as a staff. Chances are we're not a Super Bowl type team right now. This is before the draft we're thinking, uh, uh, through the Eagles' eyes. But maybe we can give up some picks and move up and get a franchise-changing player. And so be it, we're paying Sam and Chase a lot right now. But too many quarterbacks isn't the worst situation. The rest of the roster is in pretty good shape. Let's do it. So they make a move, they go get Wentz, gutsy move, and apparently they love him. Now he's scheduled to start, which to me is pretty amazing. If you consider, I mean, he broke ribs in week one of the preseason. I think he's thrown like 10 passes in an NFL uniform. How much practice time has he had during then? And you know they like Daniel. So to me, this is a ringing endorsement on Wentz. I don't think it's a knock on Daniel. I also think it's the Eagles knowing what they are as a franchise that... It's time to build around Wentz. And it might be a rough year for him. He doesn't have a lot, you know, not to throw to and, you know, all those wonderful things and their line so-so. 
uh, running game's questionable. But to me, this is a huge move for them because they gave up capital to go get Wentz, and now they redeem some of that draft capital that next year when it's, boy, we really need a wide receiver. Well, now you have a pick, you can go get them. You know, I mean, you can, you can help your team a lot more now. And they get out from the Bradford contract, who, after the Wentz pick, surely is not in their long-term plans and got a lot back in return. So this is an A-plus move for the Eagles, sort of an incomplete move for the Vikings. But I get it. You know, quarterbacks aren't cheap. I, I, I mean, I'm just asking you, hey, Vikings fans, go to Locked On Vikings and talk, have a conversation with them and say, well, we should have got somebody better. I don't think the Packers are trading Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I don't think the Panthers are going to say, hey, take Cam Newton off our hands. You know, I mean, you're probably not going to pick in the top five and get the next Wentz or Goff, and that's a lot of risk, too, for, you know, a somewhat small window. How long is Peterson going to be around? So I get it, and that's an extended take on the Sam Bradford trade. Different here, and we are going to do a quick pause for the cause. I will be back in less than 30 seconds. Okay, I am back. And a lot of NFL stuff happened over the weekend, but I've also been hounded on Twitter that you all want to see, hear how my fantasy team ended up. And I'm just going to buzz through it real quick, spend a few minutes with you on it. If you don't recall, it's a 12-team non-PPR league, old school, all my buds from high school. We talked about this thoroughly on Friday. Had a great weekend with the guys, still recovering. I had the seventh pick, 12-team snake draft. So in the second round, I had the 18th pick. Overall, the third round, I had two, you know, three, seven. And I knew I was going to wait on quarterback. At number seven overall, I took Ezekiel Elliott, gladfully. Is that a word? Came around in the mid-second and took Allen Robinson, gladfully couldn't believe that third in the mid in the mid third Alshon Jeffrey gladfully lucky as I did with my top three very very happy about it so what else have we got going here in the fourth round I didn't love it quite as much but and maybe it's a slight reach but I think he's going to have a huge year is Dante Moncrief we can start, we start two receivers, two running backs, and a flex. So I'm going to start these three receivers every week. Then I went for Jonathan Stewart in the fifth. Again, non-PPR. My man Christopher Harris kind of convinced me that this guy is vastly under the radar. Really good football player in a great running offense. Then I backed up the running backs heavy and went Gio Bernard, Amir Abdullah. And was I was quite happy with those guys too. High upside, low floors. Uh, I don't think they have high upside, but low floors. Very easily could be starters for me quite a bit throughout the season. Stefan Diggs after that. So at this point, I have four running backs, four receivers, nothing else. Then it's time to like, okay, tight ends and quarterbacks are starting to fall. I probably should stop drafting receivers and running backs like crazy. I thought I was going to get Jameis Winston. He went right before my pick. I took Tyrod Taylor, was basically equally as happy. Came back, couldn't help myself, took a running back, Kenneth Dixon who I just wrote an article for The Score today claiming I think he's going to be their best runner once he returns. And then I took Flacco after that as my backup quarterback. And that sounds not sexy for fantasy reasons, and it really isn't. I mean, I'm getting him super late in this draft. Um, But if you look at Tressman's history, they throw the ball a lot. And Flacco threw the ball a lot last year. So that might add up. And they have some weapons there. Took another shot on a running back in DeAndre Washington from the Raiders. 
and then my third to last pick, I backed up my tight end. In this move, it cost in this league, it costs you money to make any waiver moves. I know that's different than how most of you guys play. So late in the draft, it's worth saving the ten bucks sometimes to take the backup tight end. And I took Martellus Bennett, who I would have taken way higher. I think he's. I think he's going to be a consistent member of the Patriots' offense, catch a lot of touchdowns, and if Gronk goes down, he might win me my league. Then I took the Patriots' defense, old school, solid. They're never going to hurt you. you know. And there was a lot of defenses off the board. And then sort of the same vein, I took Sebastian Janikowski as my kicker because I know he's not going to get cut and he's going to be the Raiders' kicker forever. That's all I need. Their offense is good enough. And there was 11 kickers off the board or something along those lines already. So that was my team. And this is a pretty good group of guys. I mean, there's two or three dudes in the league that don't really know what they're doing. But there's a handful that are really, really good. And the more I th- think about fantasy, you know, I don't know that I have a huge advantage over the average Joe considering all the lists and all the information out there. As long as they know how to operate a computer and find the Internet, they're going to draft pretty well. Um, but there's no doubt that when I left that draft that I would not trade my team for any of them. I think I'm pretty loaded. But anyways, let's get back to the NFL. The other huge move, huge move. The Packers released Josh Sitton. And if I'm making a list of the best guards in football, he's definitely top five. Marshall Yonda's ahead of him, but he might be second. And... His contract's up after the year. Remember, they had three starters that are up for the year. We talked about this. And J.C. Treader's, you know, waiting in the wings right now. He's going to be a starting center. But he needs to get on the field. He's going to be a very good player. Most teams don't have that luxury. You know, they drafted Spriggs, too. They traded up for uncharacteristically. But he's a tackle. So, all of a sudden, their, their line looked really deep, really good for this year. Seven strong, at least, um, of quali- potentially high-quality players. But Sitton's contract was up after the year. He's not making a lot this year. As we talked about in the Bradford area, he's this team is absolutely a contender. They ha, you can't tell me they're better off without him on the field than they are with him, especially at his cap hit, which isn't bad. Even if you don't plan on resigning him after the year, play him out and let him walk. I don't get this move at all. I'm hoping something comes out after we talk that explains it to me better because... I have all the respect in the world for Ted Thompson and the Vikings organization, or the, not the Vikings, the Packers organization overall. I think they're about as good as they get in the business. They can be a, a little too conservative at times, but you don't want this player? I, I don't get it. I really don't. So, okay. Anyways, he's gone. The Bears quickly and wisely scoop him up immediately. And we've talked about the Bears a lot. And this changes my outlook on the Bears. I mean... Matt, they just signed a guard. I don't think that's going to change the season all that much. I think it will. I mean, not that all of a sudden they're competing for a Super Bowl, but power ranks are tomorrow. Note, power ranks are tomorrow. I was thinking about putting the Bears at 30, and I haven't given a lot of thought yet, but they're going to be better than that. Um, and, and the line is what really, really worried me. It is, you know, they lost Grassow. I kind of looked at it like Long was their only starter of consequence. Well, Long's going to stay at guard. Sitton's going to be the other guard. That might be the best pair of guards in the league. You know, it very well could be. And then Whitehair, the second-round pick, he doesn't have experience, but he's going to move from guard to center and compete for a job there. 
My hunch is he wins it before long and creates a very good interior threesome on that offensive line. And then the tackles aren't great. I mean, they certainly aren't great. But I think Massey's a decent addition, that he's an NFL right tackle. And and Leno on the other side, you know, I've watched more of him since we talked last on this subject. And I will say he has a chance to be pretty good, and he's gotten better. I mean, is he ever going to be Orlando Pace? No. I mean, he's a late-round pick that I think the Bears hit on. And that's great. So this addition could make the biggest weakness on their offense, the, over, the offensive line overall was the biggest weakness in the offense, into a potential strength or at least a mediocrity. I mean, at least I think they'll be league average up front. It goes a long way. It goes a long way. I really like Our last thing to discuss is going to be the news, and this might change by the time you listen to this or by the time we reconvene tomorrow and you belly up to my bar and we have a good conversation. Jamal Charles, as of right now, is unlikely to play week one. And we talked about this last week. It's like, man, this is, they're not healing as quickly as we thought. Sometimes we just assume that these players will come back 100%. He'll be the exact player he was, play at a near Hall of Fame level run away from people in the open field. And his style of running worries me. You know, I mean, if he's not as explosive, not as fast, when he does inevitably return, eventually return, finally returns, however you want to say it, I wonder how effective he's going to be. You know, and and they have West and Ware now both under contract. Ware, to me, is clearly the superior player. That scheme's going to be very um, running back friendly, which is good. I mean, that's what you're trying to do here. Um... But could Ware have a better year than Charles when it's all said and done? I mean, maybe that's foolish. I mean, maybe a month from now we'll be laughing at that comment. But right now, it scares me. That's all I can say. It scares me. I mean, he's a really good player. He's one of my fan. He's one of my favorites. Uh, hopefully, he turns out to be fine and just needs another an extra week of rest or so. Um, we shall see. But tomorrow we are going to do power ranks. I'll try to buzz through them quick to get them all in one day. Uh, that's already going to be Wednesday. You know, we're moving along really quickly in the week. It's game on Thursday. We got to preview that game to some degree. Um, maybe we'll do some other, uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll do like over-under wins. I wanted to do that. Uh, maybe do division predictions. There's a lot to fit in between the rest of this rest of the week. So, by the way, I am recording on GarageBand today. I hope it's working out fine. The other time I tried that is when I got a big nothing. I think I've traded, I think I've figured that out. But uh, hopefully all the audio is okay. I would love to hear some feedback from y'all and tell me how it went. Thanks so much. This was great. Take care.